You're watching Leafs Morning Tape with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts now. All right, partner. I didn't want to tell you I told you so, but I told you so. How you feeling today? The show starts now. <laughs> Yeah, nursing my second cup of coffee, man. I was coaching two different hockey practices last night, but I caught a bit of that Jays game on my phone and then up in the lobby. And my God, like, how do you have World Series winning caliber pitching and you can't hardly get on base, let alone score a run? Utterly pathetic that's jay rosal i'm nick alberga presented by batano this is the thursday edition of least morning take and thankfully for everybody we've scooped over from blue jays nation the leafs nation starts on wednesday and the maple leaf season starts against the montreal canadians we're looking forward to that but utterly pathetic those are probably the two words to describe that outing that effort by the toronto blue jays i sort of felt bad and i said this yesterday rosie for the pitchers and um, the bullpen, I thought, were were magical in the second half of the season after a tough start. But imagine being Jose Barrios. They gave him 131 million bucks a couple of years ago, and the biggest outing of his life against his former team throws 47 pitches on a roll, dealing. And the analytics community is like, ah, you know what? We we Kikuchi is the better option at this point in the game, and they pull him and they lose. But again, the Jays couldn't. It just it's mind boggling to me. What bean counting nerd upstairs calls <laughs> down and yanks him right there? A person who's never played sports in his life, who thinks numbers are the end all be all. And I'm sorry, but in that situation, especially with maybe over 160, 80 games, you're going to crunch the numbers and they're going to say something. I'm not completely against the money ball shit, but this is like the last hope, your last game, your star pitcher. He's in the zone. He's playing against his former team, he knows their tendencies, blah, blah, blah. He's hardly thrown anything. He's your big boy and you, and you yank him. And it didn't even seem like you gave the manager a, a chance or a, an option at it. Like he's been managing these guys all year long and you yank the guy out. Yeah, it just, it didn't make sense. I'm still trying to figure out like the person who did it, isn't going to step forward this morning and say, Hey, that was my call. Cause yeah. everyone's wasn't about how bloody stupid it was, but just mistake after mistake. It just, it's, it's frustrating, man. I mean, all you got to do is just get some runs and get on the board and let your pitching take care of it and try to get yourself into it. And they just, they didn't give themselves a chance. I guess it's a moot point because they couldn't even hit a goddamn baseball the whole series. Yeah. So the difference with this team and maybe the Maple Leafs, and you see the title here on YouTube or the Leafs and the Jays, the same team was that more times than not, the Leafs are a pretty exciting team in the regular season, right? They have their stinkers. They have their games where I want to absolutely blow up on this show, and understandably so. It's an 82-game slate, and you can make the same reference and excuse if you want to call it that for 162. You're not going to have it every game. But this was a theme all season long. The Jays went from one of the best-hitting teams in baseball to one of the worst. And then you come out, and the thing that drives me nuts, and you know this having worked with me for like a year now, is like execution, right? That that's I, I'm huge on execution, whether it's doing this show, whether it's playing a sport, whether it's everyday life. And execution killed the Blue Jays in this series. Like I was trying to think of an equivalent of like what Vladdy Guerrero, what happened yesterday, not even at bat wise, because he struggled pretty much the majority of the season considering his standards at the dish. But just tuning out, like, again, it's Nick Alberga playing preseason hockey on Sundays and getting picked off 
picked off at second base is inexcusable. And the problem is the manager can't say anything because as we realized yesterday, he's not making the calls. Like you're a puppet at that point. That's what's frustrating is being in that position, getting the reins of a, of a team. And then you get a call from upstairs telling you how to run it. I mean, that's got to be the ultimate, ultimate frustration for a manager, a coach at any level, really. I mean, even if you're a minor hockey coach of, or a, or a, you know, mosquito baseball, whatever, I don't care if you're not able to like do it, then what's the point of even being there? So that's super frustrating. And I don't know if there's going to be words postseason here about whose roles what and who's sticking around but that's got to be a huge piss off especially when it blows up in your face and you know he's getting some fingers pointed at them they're talking about his job and he didn't even have the call that was you know had the potential to to ruin the game it really is uh earth numbing and mind-boggling and pathetic and there's just so many adjectives to describe uh, what it feels like to be a blue jays fan but i don't know about you uh, I, I know you're not as dialed in as me when it comes to the Blue Jays front, but it's the same hollow feeling every year that we get from the Maple Leafs. Granted, I think we can say the Leafs actually show up to a degree in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but you got you can make the argument they haven't in recent memory. I don't know what it is right now about Toronto sports, notwithstanding, of course, Toronto Raptors, who won the NBA title pretty much on the back of Kawhi Leonard a couple of years ago, where it's like it gets to the postseason and these guys forget how to play. Having said that, it takes the only person and, and and the right person to realize and comprehend over 162 that they weren't going to magically change what they were during the regular season, get to the playoffs, and all of a sudden they're going to start hitting the baseball, right? Like, I think for, you know, to spin it to the Leafs, I, I think the annoying thing was that you see what they can do in the regular season. You're like, why can't they transfer that, transfer that over to the playoffs? Like, that's the big question for me every year when it comes to the Leafs. Yeah, I can see the difference there. And I can see how your expectations of of the Jays, they squeaked in. They're not hitting anything. They're relying way too heavily on their bullpen. Makes sense to me. The Leafs are a different story and a more frustrating story because they do dominate. They do have the team to do X, Y, Z throughout the 82-game schedule. And then they get to, you know, the important games, the ones that matter, the ones where you're playing for the cup, and they completely go away. And you know, we've broken that down in this show to nauseam. I, I, I believe it's because it's a different style of hockey being played, one that they are not built for, one that they completely shy away from. And there's a big difference between the regular season and the playoffs in the NHL. I'm happy we can put it to bed, man. It just, it's, it's been eating away at yours truly for the last couple of weeks. Like, just give me a couple games of preseason or postseason baseball in Toronto. Well, you know, while I lather my palate for the regular season in the NHL, but they couldn't even give us that. So the Blue Jays are done. Uh, their third base coach already retired today, Luis Rivera, with uh, some interesting, interesting calls throughout the season. Maybe he should have retired a couple of years ago, but he's not the first. He won't be the last to depart this uh, Blue Jays roster and uh, make sure to go check out Blue Jays Nation for the very latest. I should mention as well, shout out to our friends over the uh, Covered Bridge Potato Chips. Uh, we're we're going to keep... Uh, we're going to get some potato chips in the next couple of weeks and pump them up here on the show. But they're a new presenting sponsor. You can go over to uh, coveredbridgechips.com. Follow on Instagram at CB underscore chips. And uh, that's probably something I need right now. Comfort food, Rosie. Yeah, I want to go through their uh, Rolodex there and find some of the flavors they got going on. I'm a weird flavor guy. I don't do, uh, you know, dill pickle or regular or something like that. I want something I want something deep down in the line. I can see they got a lot to choose from there. So I'm looking forward to that package showing up and we can smash them on the show. 
Oh yeah. And we're, we're just going to do a complete taste test for 45 minutes, at least wanting to take, hopefully it's at an off day when the Leafs don't play or they're missing a couple of days of action. And we can just do a, a thorough, thorough breakdown of the different uh, flavors over at covered bridge. You get a chance to see some of the practice lines at Gravenhurst yesterday. So the Leafs getting set to face off against the Detroit Red Wings in the preseason home finale. They got one more on Saturday in Detroit. Do you see some of these lines, Rosie? Well, I saw a superstar who is trying out a different position is back to where he's comfortable. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What did we talk about? Will it still be like this at Christmas? It's like well, December two days later. <laughs> so, so the... So they talked to Sheldon Keefe after practice and the best of our knowledge, the morning skate, same thing. I don't know if they're spinning it a certain way on purpose or whatever. Maybe I'm reading too deeply into it, but Fraser Minton, it's clear they want to give him another look. We're going to talk about it momentarily, but do you, do you subscribe to that? Like if you're committed to going Nylander up the middle, to me, it makes no sense why you're putting him back on the wing. I don't care if it's uh, the second coming of Yarmer Yager playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Are are they committed to it? Have they said anything about being committed to it? Is it just a a, a try it out for preseason? I mean, w- this market's famous for going in too deep to small things. They must yeah. laugh in that locker room when we're breaking down him being there. Maybe they just shoved him there for a second because they wanted to try someone else on the wing. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be a very strong commitment when he's already off of it. Why not keep him on if you're trying to get him? used to it and see if it clicks i mean it's still preseason. why would you take them off already but i can't say that we didn't see it coming we kind of chuckled at it saying i i bet you this is one of the famous sheldon keith things where you're throwing something at the wall seeing if it sticks he doesn't even seem to give it time to see if anything sticks he just goes back to the old way with him on the wing i guess nylander's on the wing again whatever i i just i don't see the point of going too deep into it unless it's uh unless it's written in stone and they're doing it with real games I have a theory as to why Nylander moved to center, and you're going to think it's ridiculous, but nevertheless, I will bring it up on this show. So what was everybody talking about going into training camp regarding Willie Nylander? Contract. I think it was narrative control. Call me crazy, man, but like the first day of camp, they roll out with that bit of news that nobody was expecting. Hey, we're moving him up the middle. So what are the questions going to be about? understandably so why are you moving them up the middle nobody's talking about the contract right i mean the clock is ticking isn't it i think they're playing chess back there hey maybe uh, i think they're too smart for their own good maybe i don't know how deep they go back there with their (laughs) i I don't i don't know i honestly don't know if they go that deep with stuff let's play this angle let's play that they they probably got too much on their playing games but maybe man i mean keith is not scared to play angles right and maybe that's one of them. I don't know. I, I didn't even hear his explanation on why he was getting put at center, but doesn't look like he's hanging on to it too long. Hey, Donnie does this. He says checkers. I'm with you, Donnie. I have a fishy feeling in this whole situation. Again, Fraser Minton's going up the middle, so we got to put Nylander back on the wing. Uh, I don't know. I know producer Aaron's agreeing too. Might be onto something here in our own personal chat. But since uh, it was asked as well by... Official nickel city grunge. Love that handle. Um, here's what the perspective lines look like for this game. And it's pretty much their opening night roster. Not with saying a couple guys. And I want to get to the conversation for sure. But Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner, Domi, Tavares, Nylander, Nyes, Minton, Yarncroak, Holmberg, Camp, Reeves, uh, which means guys like Robertson, Lafferty, Clifford out, then Riley, Brody, McCabe, Benoit, Giordano, Lilligren. Uh, we know Klingberg's a bit banged up still. Lajeson, Lajoie, Kokanen out of that lineup. But 
just on Nylander, I, I, you know, we've talked about it a, quite a bit. I think the ideal spot in the lineup is on the wing. From everything we've seen, and again, it's early on, it's preseason. He really hasn't stood out as a center, Rosie. And I know you need time to adapt in that type of role, but I just think he's better suited. You know what works in the top six there? I don't know why now. Now is the time to change Willie Nylander's position. It just makes no sense to me. I don't either, unless you're you're worried about combinations and who can play with who. And if you think him at center can give you more options on combinations, but like, man, like the combination king over there, can we can we <laughs> maybe just kind of settle on something and see, you know, give it some time? He doesn't seem to have any patience with any sort of the lineup. And I don't like that, man. I remember playing like some of the best teams I was on and the best feelings the the teams had were when you had your lines and it's like, this line has this identity and you know when they're going out and why they're going out. And this team's clicking because, and then like from everything, like having dinner and playing sewer ball before the game, like you're, you're tight. You guys are a unit and you're chatting beforehand when you're stretching and you know, you're, you're over at the whiteboard without a coach at practice saying this, that, and the other thing. And you're, you're figuring shit out together because you're a unit because you play together. And that's what it takes to get that, that, um, you know, what do I always say? The um at a loss for words right now, but uh when you're clicking together and chemistry, yeah, chemistry what I'm looking yeah. for. And to get that cam, you gotta be able to have time to have that cam. And I don't know, there are lots of good players on the team, and we've done this too much. Fucking he jumbles the lines too much. I don't know. Maybe he'll chill out with it, maybe he won't. But one saving grace is that there's so many good goddamn players, especially on the top six, that you can, you know, they're probably capable of playing with anyone. I would just like to see them give some time to gel a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And and my question is, so like what happens tonight if Domi, Tavares, and Nylander play like world beaters, right? I, if you're committed to a player playing up the middle, again, it doesn't matter what happens or affects them around the lineup, then you put them at that position, at least in my world. And now you roll out Nylander with Domi and Tavares, Tavares, excuse me. I think you're looking for combinations. You're looking for chemistry, but that's my question. So if they rip it up, I get it's preseason, but it's pretty much the final rehearsal for the main group before the start of the uh, the year next Wednesday, what happens if they look good, right? So that that tells me they're one foot in, one foot out on Nylander at center. I don't know if you feel the same way. I think they're done with them. Why would they, if they're, if they're still in on them, why would they put them out on a meaningless game like this? I think they're done and they probably will be a good line tonight. And I don't, I think Nylander will go back where he's, where he's, where he's supposed to be. Uh, my question is down the line a little bit more. Yarny's back. We haven't even seen him all preseason. Let's see what he looks like. Who's fighting for for spots? You know, Fraser Minton, like, where'd this guy come from? Is he stealing Nick Robertson's thunder? It sure seems like it. He's he's pretty good sized kid. He's young as hell. Like, speaking of baby face, rosy cheek, fresh face, young That's kid you. <laughs> in this league. My God. He's uh, looks like he's just fresh off the cradle and he's fighting <laughs> for a spot here, you know? So who gets punted out? Is it, is it Lafferty? Is it Robertson? I don't think Clifford's going to be hanging around, but he's sticking around. Good veteran presence and whatnot. Maybe he'll be up in the press box as a filler. I don't know what they're going to do, but there is some decisions to be made. I think it's going to be easier now that Yarncroak is uh, not easier, but the decisions are going to have to be made quicker now that Yarny's uh, apparently healthy. If you're Nick Robertson or like even a Sam Lafferty or a Noah Gregor to an extent, I just, I would love to know their perspective that A, they're not playing and B, the lineup. And granted, I, I do think Gregor's got a spot in this roster. I wouldn't be shocked if they waited a couple days into the season, maybe to give Minton a bit of a harder look and give him a couple games in the NHL. But 
obviously by the roster that we put forth, we know the position's up for grabs here. Minton playing the 3C. Holmberg's on the wing on the fourth line. Uh, Benoit's not going to be in the top six. Of course, we're awaiting the return of John Klingberg. But like those are the type of decisions ahead. But you're right. It really is interesting. And I would go as far as to say that you could start writing the obituary for Nick Robertson making this team out of camp. I, I think it's done. I think so. And I kind of thought that from the beginning, like there's not enough space for him. He's, we would have had to do something special. We talked about that at the beginning yep. of camp. He has not done anything special. And <clears throat> I don't know, starting to do this show last year and, and diving into the roster and the prospect base and the pipeline a little bit deeper. You know, you hear all this buzz about Robertson, Robertson, and I, I just personally haven't seen it. You know, what what's to get excited about is, you know, you look at Matthew Nyes. I know he's a little older and had some time to, to, um, to develop in college. That's one of the good things about the NCAA is when you're ready, you're, you're more ready, but you look at the way Nyes has come in and stepped into this team. He's just, he's right there. He's top level right away. He steps in and he's, he takes it right. He took it. Nick Robertson hasn't taken anything. Um, he's been given looks. He's been given benefits of the doubt. He just doesn't look like he's going to make an impact on this team. And is it unfortunate that this team is in the position that it's in when he's trying to break in? You know, they're they're a, a high-level team. They're not rebuilding. They're not bottom beaters by any stretch of the imagination. They're contenders. It's tough to break into that thing, but I mean, that's what you got to do as a hockey player. You got to take what you got and and make the most of it. And he just hasn't quite done enough to really to really buy himself anything but get sent back to the minors and try to develop more and try to make some noise and wait for another chance. Donnie does dishes. I was never sold on Robertson or Sandine. Of course, Sandine now with Washington. Patrick G. Mafia, I like Robertson. We need to get something good for him. Maybe Drysdale from Anaheim. Uh, wishful thinking, I would say, Patrick, on that front. Uh, still an RFA is Jamie Drysdale. Diz Lexic writes, Robertson has no thunder. Mediocre at best. But yeah, I, yeah. honestly, I think he ran out of, uh, out of time here in the preseason. And again, you're right. Like He had to do something special. He had to force Toronto's hand. I think he's been okay. I think he's had his opportunities. I think squeezing the stick a bit too hard, like similar to what we've seen so far in his early career. And as we mentioned uh, a couple of days ago, I think Robertson, it's just paramount. He needs to play games. He needs to go dominate in the AHL, prove his worth, build up his confidence and be back. I, I want him to be that first call up, but again, he's got to earn that, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's not easy, man. There's a lot of people trying to make, you know, the team. There's a lot of people, fighting for your job every year. There's new kids drafted behind you. I mean, he was the the standout number one prospect there just very recently. Now, yeah. you know, you got Minton here. You got Cowens in town. They signed Nyes and he's there. All of a sudden you're getting bumped, bumped, bumped and you're trying and you want your career to take off, but it's just not happening. And that's sports, man. That's the business. You got to perform to get your cookies and you got to do something really well and force them to keep you. And he just hasn't been able to do that. Maybe it's a victim of circumstance because of where the team's at and how much depth they have and how strong their forward group is. But you're just, there's just no reason for him to really be on the team. And hopefully, like we talked about, he goes and gets some more reps, gets some experience. He's been hurt. He's played like you know, barely a season of hockey in his entry yeah. level contract here. So it's uh, it's it's not the end of the road for him necessarily. Not everyone just steps up and makes it. They're they're young players, but 
you know, it's not going to happen right now at a camp. I'm sorry. He's uh, he hasn't done enough to prove it. And he did have to do something special to make this team. And that doesn't happen yeah. every day. Yeah. The one thing I want to see is people stopping to mention the name Jason Robertson. I think that's the the problem he gets, you know, shuffled mm-hmm. into is that his brother is Jason Robertson, one of the premier players in this league. And I just unfortunate, but it is just it is what it is. So uh, that's what we're hoping for from Nick Robertson this season. Again, doesn't seem like he's going to make this Maple Leafs roster out of camp, and and rightfully so. Some guys have outplayed him. I think without question, Rosie, the the two biggest surprises, um, obviously Easton Cowan up front and the kid in the first uh, round pick this year. But Fraser Minton. Uh, so Sheldon Keith pretty much said it after practice yesterday. Like this guy's got a legitimate shot to crack the roster. He could play nine. I mean, it's it's up to him to prove it. Uh, the line we expect tonight, like the Nice minton combo has been incredible. And I think of note there is that Nisey was a, a, a second rounder in 2021. Minton, a second rounder in 2022, 38th overall. Uh, they seem to have built up some really, really good chem early on. But like all eyes will be on Fraser Minton tonight. If he has another great outing, I think he makes the team. Yeah, for who is the question? I mean, yeah. it is it is up for grabs. There's a, there's a handful of guys that can go steal a spot. Minton seems to be the one stepping up and standing out but but who's out is the question and and who gets put on waivers like that's what i'm excited to see like when the you can sheldon keith can say oh he has a chance to make the team every freaking guy at camp had a chance to make the team that doesn't mean much to me when the rubber hits the road and you put guys on waivers that's when i want to see who did they go with and you know we're closing in on that sooner than later here and there's cap constraints and it, it's going to be interesting here in the next uh week or so six days i guess and wait and see is all you can do but I'll, i'm going to be watching today i finally don't have hockey at the at the minor hockey rink so i'm going to watch some hockey uh maple leafs so i'll have eyes on minton and i'm going to get a i think i'm getting a nice jersey man oh wow he's my wow. guy You're going that far eh Big time. Like he's my fit. Every time I see him, I'm just like, come on, baby. Like I'm rooting for him as hard as anybody out there. I, I just love the way he plays, man. I'm so pumped for this season for him to get 82 games slate. And I just fingers crossed injury free knock on wood. So Matthew Nice has guested on this show twice. What, what percentage of chance would you give him ever come on this show again? And not because of his reasoning. As long as he's got that maple leaf on his chest, you're going to say no, no. I got, we should take some calls to the PR department and be like, what's your problem with us, man? We're good guys. They're going to get flushed. But I will say we, we had two magical interviews with Matthew Nyes. We love the kid. We'll never talk smack about the kid. He's a great talent. We wish him the best of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I think the next time we'll talk to Matthew Nyes is when he's retired from the NHL. But Nevertheless, uh, we look forward to Fraser Minton. Uh, 31 goals, 67 points last year with Kamloops in 57 games. But I love these type of stories. And I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I take everything specifically said from Sheldon Keefe with a grain of salt. Because, again, you got one eye on the media, one eye on the actual team. I get that. But I like the idea of rewarding players for strong play. And coming into camp thinking you got a shot and knowing you got a shot. And I love this. I, I think it sets up a really good culture. Well, I'm biased. I'm a Western guy. He's a Western Canadian. My wife's from Vancouver. So is he. And he's played in the dub. You know, the dub's known to have yeah. a little bit more of a hard-nosed feel for it. So being young and and being fresh-faced, I think he's played in a, in a fairly rough and tumble league. But it is just impressive as hell when guys come out of that junior league. I mean, you want to talk about baby faces and just little kids and stuff. I know we're getting older, but we look down and we're like, man, those aren't those aren't big grizzled men like they they seem to used to be 
And he's playing with 16, 17, 18 year old guys. And then he's just going to step into the show and play in the NHL. When guys make that leap, it is always so impressive to me because not many guys can do it. It is a huge jump. And to have that hockey IQ, the skill set, and most importantly, the confidence to go from one league and skip, you know, vast amount of hockey and leagues and just jump into the biggest one in the world. Always so impressive. So just the fact that he's being considered and, and pushing for a job, I think is a huge, huge bonus and plus for Leafs nation and, and the future of some of their prospects coming down. Cause it wasn't long ago. It was pretty bleak. And now you got a handful of guys that are like, Holy smokes, these guys are looking solid and they've developed well over the last 12 months. And it's, it's nice to see a guy pushing for a spot. He's got that big frame, and I think from all accounts, a lot of people who cover him in junior hockey, it's like you don't really notice him out there. Next thing you know, you look at the box score, he's got like three, four points, a plus five type player. Like he just, he brings so many intangibles to the table. And again, in the small sample size that we've seen Fraser Minton, his just DNA seems to be all over the games, man. And the chemistry, I can't look past that, the chemistry he's starting to build with Matthew Nyes. Like imagine a combo in the next five to seven years with Nyes and Minton together, man, that, 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 that complements what you already have. It could, I mean, that could be that, that uh, third line type of thing, right? Who could play on the wing with them? Someone with, you know, a little bit more experience, someone with some high, high end skill and kind of play with those two guys. It's hard to say, man, they're going to, they're going to throw some things around and obviously they're going to get looks at everybody. If this guy makes the team, I think Nyes is going to get looks with everybody. Um, again, I just hope they find a combination of formula and stick with it and let these guys gel a little bit throughout the, the actual season so that there's a familiarity and a confidence going into the playoffs. But that's yet to be seen with uh, Mr. Sheldon Keefe. Hey, did you see the uh, salary cap projections for next season? Um, so right now it's at 83 and a half. And Gary Bettman, the commissioner, speaking yesterday, very preliminary, important to uh, to note that, but it sounds like it could be anywhere between 87 to 88 million bucks. And there's a lot of teams that could benefit from that. I think none greater than the Toronto Maple Leafs are always like $14 under the cap every season. Yeah. I wish it was this year. I mean, we, <laughs> I think our little bit of a hole right now is that, that stud defenseman, that top two, four defenseman yeah. um, that can compliment Morgan Riley um Klingberg if he can find it I mean that's who we tried to get this year and it's yet to be seen he's already injured you know can he find his form from from years past if we had an extra four and a half five million bucks to play with it'd be a beautiful thing on the back end but keep in mind everyone else would have that yeah but I think it's nice to to go up that that way the league's doing well the owners are making money as long as that's happening there's no fear of you know, lockouts and CBA dis disputes. It's it's just nice when things are going well in a sport that you love and and the cap's going up, baby. That's just a, a that's good for everybody. All ships rise. Yeah, unless you have to give that extra four million bucks per season to Willie Nylander, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, can you hang on to him now because of that? Like now things have changed a little bit. We were expecting what a maybe a million dollars. I didn't think no. that was gonna get it done. I imagine they're more than a million dollars apart. Yeah. Um do you, it, it brings another element to it. Now, if you have cap space to play with it, it changes things a little bit, but lots is going to happen next season. I don't know why we beat our heads against the wall 12 months or 10 months beforehand, but it's, it's a, it's at least a positive thing, right? It's not like all oh, projections are down. The cap's going to stay where it is. Oh my God. Now what the hell is everybody going to do? Yeah. Now we're in a jam. It's not that feeling. It's a positive one for once. 
They have a shit ton of free agents after this season, man. Like no. it's it's really unique because like the pillar guys are in place. Like I think JT's going to be a year away from UFA. Ditto for Mitch Marner. So like every conversation we had this off season about uh, Matthews and Nylander, we're going to have about Mitch Marner next off season. Uh, but in general, they have a lot of cap room, right? With the one year deal, the Bertuzzi and Domi and and Klingberg, like they there there's flexibility there. That's why I think the current iteration of this Maple Leafs team. There'll be that that tree living stamp, I would say, within the next eight to twelve months, if you want to ballpark it, because he he's got room, right? And I think he's got an opinion and feel about how he wants his team to look. And I think already everybody's looking towards the back end for that solution. Like Brett Pesci is a perfect guy with Carolina. He's entering his walk here here, and I would certainly you know circle that name moving forward if he does get the free agency, because I think the one thing we've learned about Brad Tree Living as an executive in this league is that he likes a bill, uh, you know, a big and nasty mobile back end. And I think you look at that lease back end, it doesn't scream Brad tree living to me just yet. Yeah. Who doesn't like a big, nasty mobile back end? I mean, that's what wins um, championships. Kyle Dubas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think there's a missing piece right there. And I think that uh, if they don't solve it, it's going to be difficult. I mean, just look out, in the champions of the Stanley Cup in the past years, they have a very big and strong and mobile defensive end. And that definitely keeps the puck out of your net. That definitely puts the puck in the hands of your forwards. That frustrates the opposition. That's strong playoff hockey. That's what it takes. That's what it is. It's not a secret. It's a formula. And I think he knows that. I think tree living is trying to move towards that. It's not easy this day and age, but we'll see how things go. I mean, sometimes those one-year contracts with, you know, the Bertuzzi's and Domi's and that kind of thing. It's nice because you're not married to them if it doesn't work out. But I mean, you go to them for a reason. You sign them for a reason, hoping that it'll work out, assuming it'll work out. And if it does, oh God, now what do I got to pay them? They're just going, hey, I just performed. What what do you got for me now? That's why they signed a one-year deal. They think they can bridge it into even more money. So. It'll be interesting, but again, with the cap going up, at least there's there's going to be some extra room there. I uh, I would agree with that. And shout out to everybody in the chat right now making some noise at the Leafs Nation 401. If you haven't subscribed just yet, at the Leafs Nation 401. We have 146 people watching this show, show right now, concurrently up to four or 500. So it's great to see uh, Patrick G. Mafia, Willie 9.5 Max. He also asked, how long is Timmons out? I think I saw yesterday Connor Timmons is expected to miss four to six weeks, but it sounds like they um, they got lucky in that front, if you can believe it. They thought initially it was worse on Connor Timmons. So this means uh, Simon Benoit is going to get some time, and we're going to get momentarily to John Klingberg. But Simon Benoit, just he's a depth guy. Like Not, not to make that face, uh, I know why they signed him, but like he's not going to be that flashy guy that you want on the back end. Like just If you don't talk about him, it's probably a good thing, no? Yeah, with the defenseman of, of his depth, I mean, you just want you just want solid play. You just you don't want giveaways. You don't want turnovers. I mean, who, who am I talking about right now? Like, we don't have to have <laughs> Justin no, Hall you. anymore. I mean, you you know you don't want to notice a defenseman for more bad things than good. I remember when I was a defenseman playing in the American Hockey League, I had coaches tell me like, "Hey, if I don't notice you." then that means you've done good things because if you're playing a regular shift, you're moving the puck into the hands of the defenseman, keeping things to the outside, not allowing any fireworks to happen in your zone. 
that's a good thing. You might notice because you're you're banging the body and crushing guys in the corner and that type of thing, moving guys out from in front of your net, great. But the things that you're going to notice a defenseman for more often than not are mistakes, turnovers, being out of position, odd man rushes, bad pinches. Stay away from that shit, Simon Benoit, and you'll be doing your job well because there's other guys that need to do the flashy stuff. It doesn't have to be you just play solid, keep the puck out of your zone and out of your net, be good to sp- good be responsible defensively. And uh, that's what we're looking out of a guy like that. And he's getting a crack right now. It was kind of a little race. And, you know, now one guy's banged up. Injuries provide opportunity. And Benoit's got one right now. Man, I'm lucky right now to try to see the Detroit roster. I completely forgot about Justin Hall and the revenge factor. But I think if they're smart, they they build up anticipation. They don't play him in this game. And then he makes his return in the regular season. We can have a standing ovation. We can do a commemoration show around him. Like, I think that would be a moneymaker for us. There's a highlight package that I would like to have put together. Dude, remember that sewer job after the season? I don't know who it was. It might have been somebody on the team here at the Leafs Nation. We don't have to name names, but they had like a <laughs> they had a, a video package on Twitter or an X or whatever the fuck you want to call it now. And it was like Justin it. Hall's like worst places in Maple Leaf. Like what a gutty, gutty decision to put that out. But you couldn't help but laugh still. It wouldn't be that hard to find the clips, man. You'd be sorting through a bunch of them, not to be a prick, but you ever seen that Charlie Huddy? It's on YouTube and it's a Charlie Huddy from back in the Oilers days, like and yeah. Kings days compilation of him just making outrageously bad, bad hockey plays. And Charlie Huddy's like a multiple Stanley Cup champion, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not really fair, but it's hilarious to pull together low lights. And I think Justin Hall could have one that competes with it. And, you know, we'll watch for him in the lineup here and, and see what his return is like. But I'm not expecting a whole lot. Hey, Rosie, the joke's on us. And I don't know who his agent is, but he did pretty damn good in uh, getting Detroit to give him multiple years and multi millions of dollars nonetheless. But we, we anticipate the return of Justin Hall. I can't find the lineup. I hope he's out there, man. I hope he gets danced by somebody just reinstilling the decision to move on from that guy. But nevertheless, I heard he was great in the room. Just uh, I wasn't a big fan of him on the back end. But maybe it works out for Justin Hall in Detroit. So one of his replacements, actually, is John Klingberg. And unfortunately, like if if you sneezed early in training camp, you missed the bit of ice that John Klingberg got. Like he hasn't been around the last week. I was uh, seeing pictures today that he was skating before the the morning skate, which is great to see. It's been about a week since he tweaked something in the Kraft Hockeyville game. But, like, they're running at a time here. And on top of that, I don't want to see them rush. So would I be shocked that John Klingberg doesn't play in the opener on Wednesday? Probably not. Would you? Probably not. I mean, it sucks, though. He's he's your big signing on the back end. Everyone wants to see how he responds to being in Toronto. What kind of form is he in? Where is his confidence at? We talked about how he's going to get a bunch of reps, quarterback in the power play. We want to get him working it around with some of the big, big four there. And now he goes down and he's hurt and he doesn't get any reps and the team's doing reps without him. And he's going to be a little bit, even, I don't know if I guess if you're rusty or not, you're coming out of summer anyways, but I mean, everyone's using this preseason to get into to game form and and to get up to speed and he's going to miss all that. So it's not an ideal start. You don't love to sign a guy bring him in. Can't wait to see how he looks. And then he's hurt right out of bloody training camp. So it's not ideal, but it doesn't sound serious. So we're just going to have to be patient, wait till he's in there and and see what he does. But when I imagine for him, he gets to Toronto, there's a bunch of talk. He's doing all the media. Everyone wants to see how he's going to be. You're our new guy. And then he's hurt. I imagine he's as frustrated as anybody. 
Yeah, I, I think this is the worst case scenario, quite frankly, for John Klingberg, especially given the fact that training camp starts and they're like, here's the keys to power play one. Now, all of a sudden, he's injured. Morgan Riley's running PP1. Who's to say Riley doesn't run hot to start the year and the power play's clicking? They don't want to change it, right? I, I just think it puts Klingberg, Klingberg excuse me, behind the eight ball. And what's the one thing this guy does effectively or has done in the past? And that's run a power play. Having said that, he's coming off a dreadful season. I mean, let's not mince words. He was terrible with Anaheim. He was terrible with Minnesota as pretty much their seventh defenseman. And this is the way you start. Um, and I, I, you know, not to, to, to look too far down the road, but I think this could be the contract that people, you know, every year there's always that player that people sort of gripe on and rip on why they do that. Unfortunately, it could be Klingberg. I hope I'm wrong. I just know the body of work was not great last year. Yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of his knock he's got. But I remember Samsonov last year. I mean, called him in. Yeah. Why would we take on some reclamation project? He clearly doesn't have it, and he had a phenomenal season. And it's not very often a guy comes into Toronto looking to rehash his career or build yeah. on something that he's done or bounce back from a bad season because it's hard to perform in this market. But Sammy did it last year and there was a bunch of naysayers. He came in confident and he came in and refound his game. No reason Klingberg can't do the same. I, 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 I'm not, you know, a psychic. I can't tell what was going on in mini and in Anaheim, but it's past him. Now he's got a fresh start. He should have confidence. He's getting the keys to the power play. Like you said, little bit of a hiccup here, but, you know, come Christmas, January, we look back at how we had a little bit of a groin strain in early October. No one's going to give a shit. Yeah, and quite frankly, I wasn't, we weren't having that conversation last year about a reclamation project in between the pipes because all eyes were focused on that guy who's on Roby Dye Island right now, and that's Matt Murray. If you recall that guy, I've completely forgot about him. So, because I, I played NHL 24 for the first time last night to realize Matt Murray was was a Leaf still, technically. <laughs> Did ya? Yeah, I know he's kind of uh definitely on the back burner. Hey, it's interesting they snuck him onto that long term IR, and yeah, he gone. But eyes on Joseph Wall now. Eyes on Joseph Wall. I would love to know that conversation, Matt. You're hurt. You need surgery. Uh, no, I don't. I'm good. I'm perfectly fine. For, no, you're hurt. You're injured. You need you need surgery. You're done for the season. Okay, that is weird. Like, does he not? Did he not need surgery in 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 May, dude? Last time I checked. <laughs> Last time I checked, Matt Murray was healthy enough to back up, wasn't he, in the last game of the season? Something like that. Like, he was he was good enough to do that, and all of a sudden, he's hurt. And you've been hurt all summer, and then they announced <laughs> that you need surgery in, like, September? Weird, it is really weird. <laughs> but Dude, it it's just, necessary. Yes, very necessary. I would tend to agree with you on that front. Imagine Matt Murray was healthy or claimed he was healthy and had to figure out what to do with his contract. So it's worked out in their benefit. Very Lula Morello, but nonetheless, we're we're rolling on. Uh, from Matt Murray, and, and we expect this tandem to do well this season. Joseph Wall to get a, a look, and as Rosie alluded to earlier on, um, Martin Jones, what happens? I think there's uh, there's musical chairs to be had around this league when it comes to third net miners, and something we're going to monitor closer and closer as we get uh, close to the puck drop next Wednesday. But nevertheless, Rosie, the Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Coming up this Saturday in a couple days from now, October 7th, our friends over at Botano will be hosting a live hockey trivia show, which will include a $1,000 prize pool and more. Head on over to Botano.ca for sign-up details. No deposit is required. And all you need is a Botano account. Participants must answer at least 10 of 15 questions correctly to win. There is no ranking system. First and foremost, uh, you went with your, your gut yesterday. 
even though your partner told you not to, you went with the Blue Jays money line. It burned you in the ass. You were three for three and no longer three for three. It's a learning lesson for the viewership. You bet with your head and not with your heart. And I wanted to cheer for him. I wanted to have that bet on the table so you could cheer for him and be even more excited about a game two win. Um, I hate being that betting loser that says, I almost took the under and I, oh, yeah. I, I should have taken that. I almost bet on that. Yeah, well, almost doesn't really count here, fellas. So yeah, screw that one. I'm, I'm off the board. Should have taken the under again. Stay with what works. You know the Jays' bats are cold as ice. You're just yeah. hoping they weren't. But the under hit again if we would have jumped on that. We didn't. I wanted to cheer for the team. Sometimes that happens, and I'm out. Jays are done. Dude, it was it was a good run, so I'm going to try to start a new run tonight. Having said that, <laughs> there's not much cooking in pro sports. I know over Botana, there's no preseason hockey, so I- I'm just going to put this out there. I, I want to see an Austin Matthews goal. I think he scores tonight. I think he had some chances last game. Penalty killer Austin Matthews, if you want to call him that. So I like Matthews to score. I like the Leafs to beat Detroit. And I, I say there is no video tribute, no video tribute for Justin Hall. So those are my three bets. <laughs> yeah, understandable. I'm gonna not that I'm not that I'm on the board or anything, but I'm going Matthew yeah. Nice tickles tonight. Twenty three tickles. Mm-hmm. So you're expecting big things for that Minton Nice combo. Yep, he's my guy. I want That's- tickle tonight against Detroit. Get on the board. Unofficially, your guy Matthew Nice. Big time. Love him. Love it. Um, anything you else you want to tackle before we wrap today, Rosie? Mm, it's kind of a quiet time of the year, man. It's not the most exciting thing in the world going on. Like you said, you're trying to even find a bet. There's there's not lots going on. And now that the Jays are done, um, we're going to have to wait a little while for some meaningful sporting action. But uh, we'll see what the Jays or what the Leafs can do here with their lineup. I'm interested to see who's going on waivers, who's sticking around, how they get around the cap. That's all exciting stuff coming up here soon. So we'll bang, uh, we'll bang another one off here tomorrow. I won't be around, but uh, looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. Carter Hutton's coming up tomorrow. So I think what we're going to do is uh, a preseason or a, a, a season preview, I should say of, of Toronto's crease, understandably. So with Carter being a former net miner in this league. So we'll look at, uh, Samsonov and Wall and Martin Jones, where he factors in there. The chat, by the way, is going nuts about the goal song. I don't know about you. I, I'm fatigued with that conversation. It's not going to happen. We've just moved on, dude. Parking it. So it's not going to change, hey? I thought it was like I thought it was like a done deal this summer. It's it's out, and it was just a matter of what they're going to replace it with. No, um, I mean when it gets to a point where even like Elliot Friedman, the top insider, one of the top insiders, aside from Frank Saravelli, of course in the game is, is, is doing pieces and saying, you know, it's time for a goal song change and nothing's happening unless the Leafs has something prepared for opening night, which I can't see. Uh, but it's just so Leafs nation that you have to have that conversation. So it's weird. It's, I wonder who's call that is like, I know they're busy. They got lots of shit on their plate, but it's someone's call and it is kind of a big deal, right? It's important to the fans. Someone do something with it. I'd be interested to know who's, whose plate that lands on that goal song. And if they even are aware of how shitty it is right now, I'll tell you behind the scenes who that lands on, but Ray writes in, uh, he wants a rosy petition for the goal song to change. Let us know. He's saying Alberga with exclamation marks. So we want to make sure I brought that up on air that we need a petition from you. And if you're the voice mm-hmm. of reason in this market, Rosie, so if you start a petition, wanted to change that goal song to, to uh, let's go Barbie or Aqua or something like that. People would be all, all for it. 
Jesus. Yeah, I'll try to figure out how to do that. I got lots of pull in the organization. Statue's almost done on Legends Row. So much pull that we can't get anybody from the team on the show. <laughs> well, that's because we call it like it is, and they don't like that. I don't know about that, but nonetheless, uh, great stuff. So, Rosie, we're not going to be together until Tuesday, where uh, I think we're going to do like a season preview. So we're going to do some betting looks at the Leafs, some fantasy looks, uh, top storylines, all-encompassing season preview coming up on Tuesday. How does that sound? Let's be let's be all encompassing. I like it like that. I, I really pulled out the thesaurus for that. So that's what we'll do coming up on Tuesday. Again, no show on Monday because of uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. I know I, it's weird to call it Canadian Thanksgiving because it is our Thanksgiving, but no show on Monday. Nevertheless, and again, Carter Hutton is coming in uh, tomorrow for his uh, first showing of the season here on Least Morning Take. So we'll leave it at that. Many thanks, everybody in the chat at the Leaf Station 401, where you could subscribe. So it's Least Morning Take, wherever you get your podcast will pop up as well. That's Jay Rosal. I'm Nick Alberga. Many thanks as well to producer Aaron Bordato. And we'll talk tomorrow. Take care. Peace. Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit theleafsnation.com.